Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and find Matthew chapter number five. I hope you're already there. And we're looking at verse number seven. Children are dismissed for Children's Church this morning. And we are continuing in our study in the Beatitudes. Brother Josh will be preaching for us tonight and looking forward to that. Matthew chapter number five and verse number one. Are you there? Are you awake? Do you need to take a coffee break? There's coffee in the lobby. Wow. We are creatures of habit, are we not? And uh, you, lose that, uh, you lose that time. It, it matters. I remember coming back from Wisconsin a few years ago, and it seemed like it was after a, uh, it might have been after our trip to India, and we needed to make a quick trip up there. It feels around the same time, maybe. But anyway, when we came back, it was daylight savings time change, time change weekend. Ended up losing two hours. That was not cool. Not cool. Anyway, thank the Lord. And I hear this is the last time we're supposed to be changing. So uh, from here on out, we'll, uh, we'll be able to do away with something we've grown up with. At least I have. Nonetheless, Matthew chapter number 5. Are you all there? Amen. Let's, uh, let's read, and I'll ask you to read along with me in several of the verses. And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Read verse 7 with me. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Read verses 11 and 12 with me. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. One thing I just want to emphasize here, Jesus is introducing the, um, the Sermon on the Mount. So he's a lot more to say. We're just studying the introduction, and there's so much in that. But do you notice in verse number 13 what he says after he gets through these attitudes that we are to have, these attitudes that every follower of Christ, every kingdom, uh, kingdom person is to have, those that have placed faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, this is, a, this is a constitution for the coming millennial kingdom, but this is the constitution for those that have the kingdom of God set up in their hearts, those that have placed faith in Jesus Christ right now, those that are part of his kingdom right now. And notice what he says in verse number 13. Ye are 
With these attitudes, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its favor, savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under feet of men. Read verse 14 with me. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And so what does he say? With these attitudes, this is how you shine out in this community. So right now, you and I need to take an inward look. Lord, I want to be, I want to be merciful. I don't want this just to be a clever saying that Jesus said, just you know, kind of an introductory uh, statement. I want, I want to accept this. I want to, uh, I want to make this a part of my life. I want it to be engrafted into me. And uh, if you're like me, I need some help in the area of mercy. Right? Would you all agree with that? Not about me, about you. <laughs> you're really quick to agree, all right? Right? We, we all need this. So let's ask the Lord to help us with that. Father, again, we just bow before you and realize that um, what you are telling us here in this, in this beatitude is so far beyond our natural uh, inclination. We are so ready to ask for mercy, but less ready to give it. And so we need your Holy Spirit to expose those areas in our hearts, show us where we can take steps, give us hope in that. Help us to be like Jesus. Help us to be more Christ-like this week as we apply this into our lives. And as James told us, Lord, with meekness, help us to allow the word to be engrafted into our hearts and our minds and our attitudes and our actions this week and beyond. So we pray that you would be our, our helper, our teacher, our guide. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Quicken our minds. And I ask that you would just guide us in this moment of time that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's be seated. So Jesus is there on the seashore of Galilee. He's overlooking it. He's teaching his disciples more than just the 12. He's teaching many that have followed him and gathered on that, on that, that plot of ground overlooking the Sea of Galilee, the northern part of it. And he is uh, communicating truths that are very important, that Jesus doesn't want just to be future truths in the coming kingdom. He wants to rule and dominate the hearts of his followers right now. So you and I ought to look at this as, a, as principles, not a list of do's and don'ts, but with Christ's help, uh, principles that we can put into place in our lives, to principles to live by. And every one of these principles that we've read thus far is not something that, well, that's, that's, that's something that shouldn't be. Uh, no, every one of them is something that, that is good and it's comely, it's beautiful when it's uh, lived out in our lives. And so he tells us in today's passage, I want you to show mercy. I want you to be merciful, blessed, happy. The favor of God, the grace of God is upon those that demonstrate mercy. We've all had chances where we've had to make a choice. Do I, do I go the extra mile and demonstrate mercy or do I just kind of remain hard in this situation? Sometimes when we look at those that have been downcast by sin, uh, those that have suffered the consequences of sin, we might be tempted not to show mercy towards them. Well, they got themselves into that situation. They should get themselves out. Well, I'm sure glad God didn't look at us that way, aren't you? Uh, maybe we look at someone who has offended us. Oh, it's hard to show mercy towards them. I mean, they offended us. They've really grieved me. But remember what we said this morning. Jesus, as the offender, stepped out to the offendees. 
And he's, he has, uh, or I should say, as the, uh, the one who was offended, he stepped out to us who had offended him, and he showed mercy towards us. I'm glad that God doesn't take the same attitude toward mercy as we oftentimes do. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Let's have an awareness of mercy, first of all, here. Notice in the, in the scriptures that it is found some 360 times, this concept of mercy. It's a dominant subject in scripture because it is an attribute of god god wants us to have mercy because this is how he lives and this is how he exists lamentations 3 and verse 22 it is of the lord's mercy that we are not consumed do you realize today you are still alive because god is merciful you still have heaven as your home because God is merciful. It's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. What is the rest of the verse? Great is thy faithfulness. Let's say that together. Great is thy faithfulness. We have that song we sing. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my Father. His mercies are new to us every morning. Also in Scripture, the concept of truth and mercy are often coupled together. Some 10 times we find that Psalm 85 and verse number 10. Mercy and truth are met together. Mercy is governed by truth. God is always perfectly in balance. So mercy, well, I should say, truth demanded your judgment. But mercy sent Jesus Christ to die at the cross. Mercy and truth are met at the cross in Christ's sacrifice. It's a beautiful thing. You know, you and I should seek to be like God, to balance mercy and truth, allow mercy to be always governed by truth and truth to be governed by, by mercy. And that's how it's presented in Scripture. If you look in John chapter 1, he's full of grace and truth, a similar concept. He's perfectly in balance. So mercy is, is an attribute of God. It's coupled with his truth. It's always in perfect balance, but I want us to notice that mercy specifically is the idea of compassion. Compassion, that's a word we, we hear. Oh, we should be compassionate. We should be compassionate. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's a person who shows compassion, forgiveness, especially towards someone who has offended them. Think about that. You know what's easy? To have some compassion well up inside because you see someone in a difficult position. You know, life has been hard to them. We can almost get a sense of, wow, I saved the day. Maybe a little bit of a pat on the back. I saved the day, right? But it's a, quite a different thing to show mercy to someone who has offended you. Anyone have a trouble with that? All right, one. Anyone else? It's quite a different thing. And it's amazing to me that Jesus says here, blessed, there's a special favor. There's the grace of God is upon those who will show compassion towards those that have offended them. Mercy is the ability to enter into another person's situation and be sympathetic towards their plight or their problem, one man said. It's the ability to enter into a person's situation and realize they offended me. I've also, I can identify, I've also offended others. 
Another man said, Oswald Chambers, pity can be sterile. To become, uh, to become mercy, it must graduate from emotion to compassionate action. Compassionate action. Not just something I, I, oh, I pity you. But actually where there's some action behind it. So mercy is compassion. It's, mercy is compassion both in the heart and also in the hand. It is doing something with what I feel in my heart. It's not just an emotion. Jesus was moved with compassion. We find that in Mark, or, uh, Matthew 14 and 14. He says he was moved with compassion toward them. And oftentimes you find that when it says that, there's something that Jesus does for them. And in this situation, he healed them. It wasn't just a move in the heart. It wasn't just an emotional move of the heart. It was an action item towards them. He healed them. He helped them. And Jesus is our great example. If you remember back to Abraham, do you remember back when Abraham and Lot split? And, and, and Abraham gave him the choice of the land, and so he chose the, the beautiful land, what was very pleasing to the eye. It was well watered. And he chose to take his herds and his 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 shepherds and, and all uh, his herdsmen down there, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Well, not too much, uh, too much later, uh, Lot gets into some trouble. He is captured, he's taken hostage, and Abraham hears about this. Serves him right. Teach him to stiff me, teach him to have this attitude. Serves him right. No, what did Abraham do? He gathered his, his trained army, which is pretty amazing. He had, what, 300, I forget the number, some 300 uh, servants that were trained uh, as, as soldiers. And so he gathers them and he goes and he rescues his strain nephew Lot. Mercy is what that is. Mercy. It's not just emotional. Oh, Lot's in a, a difficult time. I'll pray for him. You know, sometimes our, I'll pray for you is just, dealing with the emotion it's not compassion and action well that's a good thing to say in this situation just to get past this situation so i i feel like i'm doing something no what is the compassion that we can show it's compassion in action lot was self-serving and ungrateful towards abraham yet abraham reached out to him in mercy and he showed him love in that situation by going and rescuing and putting his own life in the lives of his servants in peril. He showed mercy. He showed compassion in action. But mercy is not just compassion. It is in this beatitude. Notice it says, blessed are the merciful. It's an adjective. It's a characteristic. It's a characteristic. God wants us, and he says, I will bless, I will give divine favor upon those that allow this characteristic to be developed in their life. You could think of it like this. Blessed are the, those that are full of mercy. Full of mercy. Blessed are the merciful. So God literally is saying there is a great blessing upon those that allow mercy to become the descriptor of their life. What describes them? What describes you? Think about that. If someone could write a biography on you, if someone could write a bio on you to put on a website or to give to somebody else, an introduction, what would be the descriptors on your life? Kind of a, a searching question. 
God says, blessed are those that are described by being full of mercy. You know, the world elevates many different values. Fame, wealth, many different values. God says, I want you to know that I'm going to bless the one that is described as full of mercy. Don't you want the blessing of God? I do. And so we want to be full of mercy. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, we are something before we begin to act as something. God is saying, I want you to, I want you to be this. I, I want you to imbibe this. I want this to describe your life. So you might, you might think, well, this week I need to make sure that I'm showing acts of mercy. Listen, the easiest way to show acts of mercy is to be full of mercy. Right? So the whole theme of the year is about being inside out from the heart first. That's why we're going through the Beatitudes because these are attitudes of the heart that God wants to be a part of us. He wants these to describe us. This this is how we are to think, how we're to operate, and then the acts follow. Many times as Christians, we get so focused on what is my deed? Well, we should get back and what's going on in my heart? What's the desire? What's my habit? What's the heart? So if we're going to have acts of mercy, if we're going to have it in uh, compassion and action, it has to first be in the heart. It has to be a characteristic. Uh, How am I treating my wife? How am I treating my my wife? Uh, Do I readily forgive her mistakes? Well, if there's mercy in the heart, I'll be ready to readily forgive her mistakes. What about the husband? Mercy towards your husband. Do I show love and not spite? You know, it's possible for two married people to to be together and not have mercy toward each each other. Listen, God wants us in our homes to be full of mercy in the heart and to be demonstrating that back and forth. Our children need to see that. Your grandchildren need to see that, right? Your grown children need to see that. Wherever you are, that needs to be modeled in between, in between you toward your children. Do you treat them as God treats you? Do you realize that much of your children's view of God dads, this is a sobering thought, much of our children's view of God is going to be shaped by our interactions with them. That is a heavy thought. Because I'm a dad in the middle of it. And sometimes my actions don't look very much like God's. My attitudes. When I think about the, the inexhaustible mercy of God, right? Mercy toward our children. How has God treated me? That's how I ought to treat my children. Doesn't mean they don't ever get in trouble. Doesn't mean they don't ever get chastised, right? But it's done with mercy. It's mixed Truth is governed by mercy and vice versa. Toward the lost, you know one of the most merciless things we could do toward the lost is not share the good news. I told you I'm reading this book about what God is doing in the Muslim world. And the author said, you know, as he raises awareness to this, he's amazed as he comes into churches and finds people who who has, after they hear him speak, go, I have a next-door neighbor who's Muslim, and I've never reached out to them. One of the most merciless things we could do is not share the gospel. Now, the world is telling you, keep it to yourself. Don't reach out. Don't, don't, 
cram it down their throat. Well, we don't need to cram it down their throat. Reach out and love. Bring them a plate of cookies. Invite them to your house. Do a, do a, a, co- a, a coffee, a, a, a coffee at, a, at a coffee house. Do something. Welcome them in. Get to know their name. Pray for them. Do we show mercy toward the lost? I'm thankful that Jesus did not stay in heaven. He stepped out of heaven and came here. Mercy. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Praise God. The mercy of God. Toward other believers. Listen, sometimes, and this gets into it, we will offend each other. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Amen? It's right. Jesus said that. Now, how are we going to deal with those offenses when they happen between believers? It happened in, in Philippi. There was division between those two ladies in Philippi. What happened there? I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't get into it. But Paul says, I, I want you to be of the same mind. When those offenses come, what do we do? Do we show, do we show mercy? You know, I could see myself having made the same mistake. Right? Many times believers in haughty pride say, well, I just can't believe they did that. I am sure glad that God did not do that to us. How we need to show mercy, not write them off. Jesus does not write people off. The idea of, of the cancel culture that has creeped into the church, you hear me? We see the cancel culture that's out in society, cut them off and they're done. That is not of God. And when you see that happening between believers, that is not of God. Jesus is always looking for reconciliation. He's always, think about Peter, we'll get there in a moment, he's always looking for reconciliation. He's always looking to bring back together. And so, toward other believers, we ought to show mercy and and how important this is. Now, I want us to realize, when we have the wisdom of God, James 3 and verse number 17, the wisdom of God will lead us to be full of mercy. Wisdom is simply the skillful use of knowledge, the right use of knowledge. So when we understand the, the Word of God, you say, well, I know a lot of the Word of God. I'm going to get these, this, uh, this fresh look Bible. I'm going to even know more about the Word of God. Listen, when the Word of God is skillfully used, it will demonstrate mercy. Notice in, in James 3 and verse number 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, and full of mercy. Do not say that you're a wise person if you're not merciful. Because wisdom, God's wisdom, being displayed in our lives will always have the characteristic of merciful, being full of mercy. God's word is going to develop that in us. The application of God's word is going to develop that in us. Did you notice all the other things that it said? It's pure, it's peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. Listen, when we wrong one another, we ought to be easily entreated. You ought to be able to come and and, and not be all defensive about it. It ought to be easily entreated. And so God says that when we use his knowledge right, we will be full of mercy. It will be a characteristic. But notice also it's a command. It's a command. The Bible says in Micah 6 and verse 8, that, we, uh, that he has shown us, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy. Not just to do mercy, but to love mercy. To enjoy mercy. 
to embrace mercy, to make it a part of our lives, and to walk humbly with thy God. You remember the young, uh, the young lawyer that came to, uh, came to Jesus and asked him, what, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he says, go sell all that you have. And, and he also told him that you're to, you're to love your, your neighbor as your, yourself. And he goes, man, I, I've done all this stuff. Well, Jesus gets into the, he gets into the, the, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he begins to speak about, you know, you have, these, you have this man that's fallen uh, among thieves, this, um, this, this, uh, this guy that was beat up and left on the road. And you have a priest that, that walks by. Uh, you have... You have these different folks that walk by, his own countrymen, and they do nothing about it, but a, a Samaritan walks by and does something about it. He takes them to an inn, pays, pays his way, and says, if there's any more cost incurred, then I'll, ta- I'll take care of it when I come back. So just, just nurse him back to health, and I'll, I'll take care of it. He showed mercy on that day. Now, what's interesting, Luke chapter 10 and verse number 36 Jesus asked this question, which of these three thinkest thou uh, was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? He's saying of, the, of these people that saw him, two of them passed by, one of his countrymen, one a religious leader, and, and another one a Samaritan who actually did, uh, did engage him and help him. Which one was his neighbor? Well, the one that showed mercy, the, the man said to Jesus. The one that showed mercy. That was, that was his, his neighbor. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Just don't have, oh man, what a mess he is. I can't believe it. I mean, they really beat him up. Well, I hope he gets some help. I hope someone calls the ambulance, right? The ambulatoriate. Hope someone calls it. No, step in and do something about it. See the need, take take the lead, go and do likewise. We can only show mercy if we've first known the mercy of, of God. And he's given us all. If you know that you're on your way to heaven today, if you've accepted Jesus Christ by faith, he has shown you great mercy, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his, help me, mercy, he saved us. By his mercy. Hebrews tells us that he ever lives as our merciful high priest, our merciful and faithful high priest. And here's the reality. When we see ourselves as justified sinners, when we see ourselves as those who are bound for hell, it totally changes our perspective towards those that sin around us and that sin toward us. And the issue is you and I don't see ourselves as as ones who are saved from hellfire often enough. Otherwise, we would be limitless in our mercy. We would be ready to show mercy toward one another. We're all in the same boat. We are all destined for hell, were we not? And he showed us mercy, great mercy. You and I cannot top the mercy of Jesus Christ. Abundant, beautiful, wonderful mercy. And so this awareness that we are to have of mercy, yes, it is compassion. It's a characteristic. It is a command. God's not asking us to take a take-it-or-leave-it attitude. This is a nice, nice saying you frame up on the wall. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's not just a nice little, little saying. Not a nice little Hallmark card writing. It's something God expects from you and I. He's saying, blessed, there's going to be my grace upon those who 
are full of mercy. But notice the demonstration of it. We're often geared towards criticism rather than mercy. It's easy to criticize. It's easy to be an arm cord, you know, armchair quarterback on someone else's life, to, to criticize what they're doing, to criticize their action without even always realizing why they made that decision. It's easy to do that. It's easy to criticize when, when someone slips up and, and messes up. It's easy to do that. But the reality is the demonstration of mercy is first and foremost, we must catch this, it is to be Christ-like. It is Christ-likeness in action. You see, as we saw in verse number six, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, after God's way of doing things, after doing righteously after being godly, after being Christ-like. So a hunger for Christ-likeness will produce, it's going to produce mercy in our lives. It's going to produce a fullness of mercy. Showing mercy towards others is an absolute reflection of Jesus Christ. So when your children see that in your life and in mine, it's a reflection of Jesus Christ. When your lost neighbor sees that in your life, it's a reflection of Jesus Christ. You say, well, it didn't work. You don't know what God's doing in their life. You don't know how much of an impact it's making in their life. It may take years. It's amazing to me how long sometimes it takes a seed to blossom. I've seen people come to Christ after 10 years of, of witnessing and going after them, and it takes time for things to blossom. You keep doing the right thing. Keep showing the mercy. Keep loving them. In the days of the Roman Empire, anyone who displayed mercy was considered to be weak. In fact, philosophers called mercy a disease of the soul. You were messed up. You were weak if you showed mercy. The Roman culture didn't value mercy. Be tough, men. Be tough. Bring a heavy hand to the situation. Be tough. We see that out in society today. Our society does not value mercy. In fact, as we get further and further away from God, mark it, as our country slips further and further away, and our country is slipping that because the populace is, right? The population as we see us slipping further and further away from God, there's less and less mercy on display in our culture. Do you realize that violent crimes in the past years has risen some 12%, one of the most dangerous cities to live in? Dayton. Now, it's, it's at the bottom of this list, but it's interesting that we even rank on that. Columbus is on there. Cleveland is on there. Not a great thing, but violent crimes in these cities... Way up. Way up. Mercilessness. Gruesome, some of the crimes that go on. Wicked. But what is this an indicator? It's an indicator of slipping further and further away from God. Now, friends, we can look at the world and see it well identified there, but we, if we do not walk close with God, if we do not allow Christ to dwell in our hearts in all knowledge, and wisdom, we too will follow the same trend. We will not be merciful when we need to be full of mercy. And so I find that there is a, a, a devaluing of mercy that is common in our culture. How many of you followed the Alex Murdoch case? A little bit? 
You saw he was sentenced to kill your own son and your own wife with multiple gunshots. Now it's easy. Again, I say it's easy to look at this. He hasn't known the mercy of God. I pray that he does. I pray that he finds Jesus in prison. Right? He desperately needs it. But you and I know the mercy of God. And we need to display Christ's likeness. Like meekness, mercy is the distinctive Christian grace. It's something that that the world doesn't have the ability to show. Maybe for a little bit they can have some acts of mercy, but they cannot have the fullness in their heart because they don't yet know the mercy of Christ demonstrated towards themselves. They've not yet received it personally. Jesus calls us as his disciples to practice mercy and have it, first of all, as a characteristic of our heart. Be full of mercy. Mercy towards sinners. The same mercy he displayed towards the publicans and sinners that the Pharisees say, what are you doing eating with them? He said in, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. I came for those that were downtrodden that knew they were sinners. Listen, we still live in an environment and in a day where it's really easy to go to the people that look like they have it all together. Jesus still wants us to go to the people that are downtrodden and they know they're sinners and they're living in it. Give them the mercy of Jesus Christ. Jesus showed that. He did not hang out with, a, with a, you know, the socialites of society. He bugged the socialites of society. He bugged the religious of society because he was always hanging out with those that were sinners, not for fellowship, but to win them, to love them, to win them. He said, Zacchaeus, come down for I'm going to your house today. What are you going to that thief's house for? I have something for him. Some mercy for him. Changed his life. You know, if that's who Jesus is, that's who we ought to be, and the church ought to be the most merciful place in any community. And unfortunately, our communities get, the, get oftentimes the sense that they have to be something, they have to be perfect, they have to be something in order to attend a church. Friends, we need to break that down with acts of mercy flowed from a heart full of mercy. Love them. As we come up to Easter, and all year round, may our neighbors, may our neighbors have our phone numbers. May our neighbors hear from us, say, hey, anytime you need something, call. I don't care whatever time of night it is, call. Uh, if you need something at your house, I'm there. May they receive plates of cookies more than just around times we want to invite them to church. May they not just receive invites from us. May our community not just receive invites, but may they sense the mercy of Christ flowing from us. It's Christ-like to show mercy. It's Christ-like uh, to, to demonstrate that. And he showed that towards his disciples as well. Peter on the seashore of Galilee should have been written off, right? He really messed up. He denied and he cursed. If we had that happen in our day where someone cursed Jesus' name publicly, do you realize, mm, do you realize how easy it would for us as a Christian community to say, well, they're just done. We're not going to call them. We're going to leave them kind of just wallow in their mess. No, Jesus went to the seashore. He 
was there, and I love what he says, and there's a, there's a song uh, written about this, John 21 and verse number 12, Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. Come eat. Come back. You know, to dine with somebody is to really, to, to enjoy life together. There's a breaking down of hostility at a dinner table. Come and dine. And you know the story, how he restored Peter there on the seashore. What a beautiful picture. Jesus showed mercy toward his disciples as well, and so shouldn't we. So shouldn't we toward one another. Let's be proactive in demonstrating mercy. Mercy is not just Christ's likeness in action, it's humility in action. As I said a moment ago, when we are humble in our hearts, when we are humble in our hearts, we're ready to forgive. Pride and arrogance, self-conceited, self-righteous individuals like the Pharisees, they were not ready to show mercy. You remember what they did with the woman caught in adultery? They dragged her to Jesus. What, what's going to be done to this lady? Trying to catch him in a, in a bit of a snare. And he kneels down in the dirt, and uh, the Bible says he began to write in the dirt, and they began to, from the oldest to the youngest, to begin to walk away. People have surmised what, what he might have been writing. Perhaps their sins, maybe the Ten Commandments, but whatever it was, it, it, it convicted them, and they began to walk away. And Jesus says, where are your accusers? They're gone. Neither do I condemn thee. He didn't say, go on in your sin, go and sin no more. He changed your life that day. But the religious community wasn't very merciful. They were arrogant. They didn't see themselves in need of God's mercy. And so they couldn't give God's mercy. And how important it is for us to realize, if, if there is arrogance in my heart, that's when the criticism is going to rise. That's when... I'm not going to be full of mercy towards someone who's offended me. Outside the church, inside the church. Hum mercy is humility in action. Jesus showed it to us through that, through that beautiful picture with that, that lady. Mercy is humility in action. And Jesus expects that the same amount of mercy that I've received from him is the same amount of mercy that I'm to give to somebody else. It's to be in proportion. And can we ever exhaust the mercy of God? No. Not at all. But God, Ephesians 2.4, who is rich in mercy, lavish in mercy, abundant in mercy. He has an inexhaustible supply. We sang the song, mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. What an abundant mercy. It was Napoleon who uh, had an individual seeking pardon. He had offended him twice. And, and so, uh, in fact, this, this individual, his soldier's um, mom comes to him and begs for mercy to be shown upon this individual. And, and Napoleon said, he does not deserve mercy. He does not deserve mercy. To which the mother said, sir... It would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask for. And in response to that, Napoleon said, then I will show mercy. We can look at people and say, they don't deserve it. Then it's not mercy. You didn't deserve freedom from hell. Jesus showed you and I mercy at the cross. So thankful for that. We ought to rejoice in that. That ought to, that ought to bubble out of our hearts. 
and showing mercy to others. So what does Jesus say here? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Let's read this together. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Think about the return of mercy. Have you ever thrown a boomerang before? Anyone? One? Okay. Most of the time, I guess if they're crafted right, they come back. If they're from Dollar Tree, they might not come back. Just goes out. Becomes a Frisbee at that point. They come back. You know, God says, when you're full of mercy, it'll come back to you. It'll come back to you. Well, no one ever shows me mercy. Well, perhaps we might want to look at how we're showing mercy to others. It's a life principle. Those who show it will receive it. It's amazing. Those who are harsh and merciful come to a hard time in life, and there's no one there to help them. Why? Because they've not been demonstrating mercy. God says, when you show mercy, those that are full of mercy, they will obtain mercy. It's like the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There are physical laws in life. Isaac Newton, his third law, the law of action and reaction. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. It's a physical, it's a physical reality. Jesus is saying a spiritual reality is here. Those that show mercy, those that are full of mercy, are described as merciful. They're going to have a return on their mercy. So Jesus is giving a spiritual reality you and I can bank on. But it's a living promise that he gives us. They shall obtain. This is a certainty. This is an outcome that is predicted by God. He's saying this is going to be your reality. If you will be full of mercy, this will be your reality. You will be satisfied. You'll be blessed. You'll have the grace of God upon you. You'll experience mercy as you practice mercy. Why? Because God is a God of truth. He's not going to renege on his promises. He's not going to to give up and say, well, you know, for that guy, I'll not, I'll not make this beatitude come true. No, God is a God of truth. He will always do the right thing. We can bank on that. It's a living promise. It's a real promise. I want us to turn to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 16. You know, men, men and women, humanity, are frail, they're faulty, and there may be times where you've been very merciful, you have shown mercy to others, and you find that someone has not been merciful back to you. Does that break the promise? I want us to realize if Hebrews 4, in verse number 16, it says this, Let us therefore come boldly, we have a merciful high priest, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain, what is it? Mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, mankind might fail in showing mercy, but God never does. And his beatitude here, this attitude that he wants us to develop, this fullness of mercy, you can bank on it that you will always, always receive mercy from God when you come to him. It's an absolute promise. Sometimes the toughest thing to do is to show mercy in the midst of conflict, in the midst of offense. But God says, I'm going to bless. I'm going to show my favor to those that, that show mercy. I'm going to show my favor to those that are full of mercy. Abraham Lincoln, as president, uh, he was in a situation where his secretary of war, by the last name of Stanton, Edwin Stanton, 
he was in a predicament. Stanton came to him and, and, and said, uh, I'm in a situation. I have a man who has really, uh, really accused me, and he's accused me of favoritism, and it's, it's, it's quite a problem. I'm, I'm pretty upset with him. And so uh, Lincoln gave him the suggestion of this. I want you to sit down, and I want you to write a letter, and I want you to set this individual in his place. I want you to just to let it all out. I want you to set him in his place, let him know. Uh, make sure that it's sharply worded and reprimand him. Explain, his, uh, explain your anger to this officer. So he does. Stanton writes down, and he writes a biting letter. Have you ever felt like writing a biting letter or a text? Here it is. So he wrote this. He comes back to Lincoln, and he says, Mr. President, I've written this, as you have said. Uh, now, uh, 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 what, and the president goes, what, what do you intend to do with this, with this letter? Well, I intend to send it. He goes, don't. I want you to take it, and I want you to put it in the stove, the fire burner. What do you mean? He goes, Lincoln speaking, when, when, I, when I have a situation like this, I sometimes will write it all out, but then I, I burn it. I burn it. What is this? This is simply choosing in that situation not to give them what they deserve, but to show mercy. You know mercy is a choice. Mercy is a choice. And it's based on the fact that I've received mercy from my Heavenly Father. I want us to close with this proverb. Proverb 11 and verse 17. You might want to memorize it. Proverbs 11 and verse 17. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. But he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. Let's read that proverb out loud together. Ready, begin. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. It's pretty clear, isn't it? So if I choose to be merciless, it's going to trouble me. But if I choose mercy, it does good to my own soul. It's encouraging. It's strengthening. Why? Because I know I've done what Christ wanted me to do. Now what we could do with this message is look around and say, now who around me doesn't show mercy very well? That would be a wrong use of the message. What is a right use of the message is, Lord, I want to be merciful. I don't want to just do acts of mercy. I want to have a heart full of mercy that results in acts of mercy. And may the Lord help us with that. Let's stand together and let's talk to the Lord about this in the quiet of this moment. I'd encourage you to come and find a place just to pray. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for loving me so very much. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for coming out of heaven when I offended you. You came and showed mercy to me. Lord, help me to develop this heart of mercy. With your heads bowed or just an attitude of prayer, I invite you to come and find a place to pray. Ask the Lord to develop that in your heart. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.